Podcasts from the Cat. Voices and sounds from Crew and Nantwich. Today we're talking to the managing director of an established manufacturing company that's been trading for 44 years and now supplies a wide range of industries across the UK with plain and printed cartons and cardboard boxes of all sizes. In the hot seat today, we're pleased to welcome Craig Street of JMR Packaging Limited. Craig, welcome to Business Brunch. Morning, Dad. Craig, you uh, you joined JMR Packaging in 1991 at the ripe old age of 20. So uh, tell us why you decided to join the family business and, and talk us through some of the turning points for the company over the last 30 years. Well... I didn't want to do further education at the time, Des. Um, so I wanted to do an apprenticeship elsewhere, learn a trade, and earn some money. It seemed a good route to take before joining my dad in the family business. I thought it was important to do that and to come in with some knowledge rather than just turn up knowing nothing. Uh, so, that, so that's what we did. And as a youngster, you'd made that decision before you left school? Well, not necessarily to join, to join that. I'd had, enough, I'd had enough at school, really. I, I wanted to go out and, and, and get a job and earn some money. And the opportunity came up to go and do an apprenticeship there. And it seemed to fit with what my dad was already doing somewhere else. So it seemed a natural path, really, to go and learn the trade somewhere else before going over going over and joining him. So you joined the family business and it must have been quite a culture shock for you having been through an apprenticeship and it's a little bit different isn't it than taking on responsibility so did you start right at the bottom well i came in i started off i wasn't on the shop floor i, I came in and um, i learned the other side of the business if you like the the, the office side I, I started off um doing the doing some of the buying for the material that that sort of thing yeah so uh, yeah I, I've, I've seen both sides from from there uh, from the office, from the office side, and also uh, the shop floor. So, right at the very beginning, then you, you've watched the business. Well, from when you started in 1991, I mean, it was already an established business. But obviously, there are pressures from all sides when you're in business to to perform. Talk us through some of the major turning points for the business as it developed over the 30 years you were there. You tend to you tend to go from one level to the next by investing in machinery really you can buy certain machines and it'll it'll push you up to the next level some are quite a big a big jump up from what you've previously been running so that's that's the, the main the main thing so we've, we've gone we've come quite a long way over the years with sort of steady growth you're relying heavily then on your salesman increasing increasing the business and then you meet the capacity by investing in in further machinery. Yeah, we we actually we don't have any salespeople. We tend to to rely on um, word of mouth recommendations. We 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 do deal with some agents, website traffic. Um, we try, we service the customers as well, and then and they they regularly recommend us to other people, which obviously helps. And we we plough the money back into machinery, which helps us stay competitive. Okay, so m- moving on, you you joined um, JMR Packaging as you, as you've alluded to already after mm-hmm. uh, after a printing apprenticeship with with Bowwaters. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So share with us your aspirations when you started 
at JMR Packaging and, and how you've developed as a manager and a businessman? Well, in the long term, obviously, the plan was, was to take over the reins from my dad. So I went, I went and did a management qualification to add what I'd already done. Uh, I don't really see myself as a salesman. I still don't. I meet customers or potential customers, and I, I tell them the truth. I'm honest, whether that's good news or bad news. That, that that's, the, that's the way I am. I think it helps if you know what you're talking about. I've got good relationships with the suppliers, which I think is vital. And I also think um, over the years, I think it helps if, if, you, if you're known as a good payer. I think I'd rather be known as someone who pays the bills promptly rather than someone you have to chase. Uh, so that, that helps. That helps with the relationships that we have. And the, fact that, the very fact that you're being honest and, and transparent uh, mm-hmm. develops a level of integrity and suppliers and customers will respond to that. So yeah. even though you're not a salesman, you must be good at engaging with people if you've got good relationships with them. Yeah, well, that comes, the relationships, you build relationships over the years, um, which I've done right from the start. I dealt with the, the suppliers, um, not so much not so much the, the customers, but, but uh, more recently, I, I have got more involved with the, with the customers. Um, but as I say, I, I don't see myself as a salesman. I just, I just, I just say it how, it, how I see it, really. And uh, it seems to work because people come back. I think, they, I think they, they build a level of trust with people, and they, they tend to come back. Then I think. And most businessmen would, would probably agree that the cornerstone of a successful business was was having strong financial management over the business. So mm-hmm. so how do you approach that aspect? Financial management. Um, we've, we've been fairly prudent over the years. We've, we've not tried to grow too quickly. We've, we've, uh, we've not tried to overstretch ourselves. Uh, and what we have made, we've plowed back into the business, mainly on machinery. We don't, we don't spend a lot of money on fancy, fancy offices. We... Uh, we power it all back in, into the factory, and uh, and that proves dividends with with the work that we're bringing in and that we're competitive with. Really. And do you rely on um, on a financial director or or somebody that's monitoring the finances to give you good reporting? Yeah, yeah, we have a, we have a finance department here. Um, we also have a good accountant that we talk to. So um, I think most people need need that really. You need to know that that area of the business is well covered. So, I suppose mm. if you've if you've got a good accountant, then you'll rely heavily on them, like you said. We do, we do, and, and also also with uh, internal internal people, we've got finance controller who's very good. Um, so yeah, it works well. Today we're talking to Craig Street from JMR Packaging. Craig, uh, according to your website, you operate a, a vendor management inventory. Sounds really complicated, this. So, uh, for volume users. So, uh, you're stocking products for an agreed timescale and yeah. delivering both in the UK and worldwide. So, it won't have gone unnoticed that we left, the, left Europe <laughs> at the end of December. There'd been that much hype about it. So... Uh, Tell us how this may have affected your ability to maintain your agreed timescales and, and how it's fa- affected maybe your relationships with your customers. Well, we, we keep a certain amount of stock on site and uh, we did, I can't say we didn't have a delays just after Christmas. We did have a few 
delays with, with uh, deliveries getting through the ports. We don't send a massive amount of stuff abroad ourselves. It tends to be more on behalf of our customers. They would send them to packers abroad. Uh, but the bits we do send, we did have to get to grips with a bit of paperwork. But we're, we're getting there now, I think. And have you had any feedback from uh, from your customers in regard to whether they're they're having difficulties sending stuff out overseas? I've had similar. So I've had similar comments from customers about about more paperwork side than anything. We have had I've heard a few grumbling that they were struggling with the paperwork, but I'm sure that's teething problems. Do you feel that the government could have done probably a little bit more in respect of helping businesses? understand all the paperwork that was required i think the paperwork in general could have probably been made a little bit easier um but it's just something different to work with isn't it and uh, and we don't we don't like changing the way we work do we no i can understand that Uh, well given the issues would would that that stop you thinking about exporting or would you would you put uh, change your systems to accommodate all the extra paperwork well we as i said we don't do a massive amount we've we've got to grips with it we we can do it reasonably okay now um it was a bit of a pain to start with uh, what we do what we are finding though is people who were previously buying abroad are now coming to us saying they were buying certain product from abroad but they're looking to buy it in the uk I'm packing the UK. So I think there's, uh, there's a good side to it. So it's actually generating more business for you? I, I, I think so. Or, or certainly more inquiries. We're getting people who are saying, you know, we're, uh, we've previously been buying this from wherever and we're, we're, um, we're looking to bring it, bring it back into the UK. So they're seeing how the, how the costs stack up. That's interesting, isn't it? Do you help mm. helping to reduce the national carbon footprint by yeah. su- by supplying yeah. your more of your products on the home market? So, yeah. over the past few years, consumer groups have developed a, a global resistance to overpackaged products, and I, I understand that 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 refers an awful lot to um, plastic products, but. Generally, things are overpackaged. So, share with us how how this has affected your order book, if at all, and and whether it has focused your attention on more greener issues. We've seen we've seen uh, people trying to get away from plastic packaging and more more into biodegradable cardboard products. We, we, we we've definitely seen that. We use um, virgin cardboard and also recycled and. The jury's out, really, as to which is more environmentally friendly. Is it, is it more? Is it better to uh, to plant more trees than you cut down in a sustainable way, or is it better to ship waste around the world to make recycled cardboard? It's a, it's an interesting argument, really. Do you go out of your way to purchase one or the other, or is it just what's available? No, we we we, we buy whichever. Some some customers are adamant that they want recycled. And some, when when you the recycled stuff, obviously it isn't as nice. It doesn't make a nicer product as some of the virgin material that you buy. But people sometimes see that as not as environmentally friendly, which which isn't necessarily the case at times. And obviously, you have to take on board your your customers' wants and needs, so so you respond accordingly. 
Yeah, yeah, we we can do it. We can do either. And I understand yeah. that your roof now is carrying an awful lot of solar panels. Is, is that yeah. is that part and parcel of this uh, green emission? Yeah, yeah, we 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 uh, something we thought about for a while, but uh, yeah, we, at the end of last year, we put two hundred solar panels on on part of the roof, so that contributes to uh, to the power we use, um, helps with the carbon footprint, and uh, helps with the vi- environmental accreditations as well. So you must have done the sums. It it'll all balance the books in in a certain number of years, right? Yeah, yeah, we we think it'll pay for itself and. In, in, probably three and a half, four years, something oh. like that. We use a massive amount of, of, of energy. You know, I couldn't say it's going to run the factory for us, but, but it's certainly a contribution, you know. We, we think it'll, it'll save us probably eight or nine percent a year of what we use. We might do some more in the future, but, but the, the other part of the roof um, would need overcladding before we did. This is a podcast from The Cat. On today's show, we're talking to Craig Street, the Managing Director of JMAR Packaging. Craig, uh, happy staff generally, uh, productive staff, and your workforce now numbers uh, 40 plus. So uh, talk us through how you maintain a well-organised and motivated team. JMAR is like one big big family, really. We've got a lot of staff who've been there a long time. We've, we've We've got a few who joined on the old YTS scheme years ago and are still with us well into the 50s. Uh, we like to think we're pretty fair. We, we always give a Christmas bonus if we can afford to. And I always give one if we have a record month in sales as well. It does get harder and harder to attract skilled staff, like printers, cut and crease operators, gluing operators. So uh, we're actually looking at the moment. We might, we might, even, we might go down the, the apprenticeship route and, and take a couple on. Well, that that's an area that the the government uh, supports wholeheartedly, doesn't it? So mm-hmm. it gets young yeah, people into the workplace. It's something we're looking into now. It's 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 not the most glamorous of, of industries, so it's difficult to get young people interested in it. Uh, I think the average age of the workers in the print industry is forty three at the moment. So we need something to, to we need to do something about that to uh, to attract some young talent. So, Craig, whilst you're you're taking on, or you intend to take on apprenticeships. You still need, you still need to take on skilled workers as well, mm-hmm. so that the apprentices can work under skilled workers and learn learn how to do the job correctly. How do you get your your new staff? Do you go through agencies or do you interview yourself? We interview. We interview ourselves. We we try to avoid agencies if we can, but but sometimes it's not possible. As I said, as I said before, there's less and less skilled staff it's a sort of an aging workforce in our industry so that's something something needs addressing really in general craig we we now have a, a roadmap for recovery and combined with a, a recent budget delivered and designed to help the business sector crank up the wheels of industry so uh, share with us your view of the budget and whether it is sufficient to achieve its goals i think the 130% capital allowance, I think they're calling it the, the super deduction. I think that's a great idea to, to encourage investment and, and growth, especially for the likes of people in our industry. Is the, the machinery, the kit is, is very expensive. Uh, I'm not sure about the, the corporation tax rise, but that's, that's a few years off yet, so a lot can happen in that time. 
Um, I think freezing it for smaller companies was was great news. I think we should be do what we can to help the high street as they're up against it enough as it is without without that stuff happening this year. Maybe some online sales tax would have been good. Um, but yeah, in, in in general, I think business wise, it wasn't too bad. And in the way it impacts on your business, do you feel that will be beneficial? Yeah, we, we haven't got any um, any big plans to invest a lot this year. We, we we invested quite a lot over the last few years. So possibly, we'll see. We, we spent a lot of money over the last five years to keep competitive. Whether that will persuade us to buy something else and put some new kit in, um, we'll see. But it's certainly it's certainly um, a good incentive to do to do it. And and is that the kind of feedback you're getting from your customers when you talk to them? I haven't really spoken to any to anyone about the budget yet. It's a bit <laughs> a bit early, but um, I think I think generally it'll uh, create some sort some growth. I think um, I think that'll work. I think we need we need to do something like that with with what to give us give the economy a bit of a boost, really. And because of this super deduction, do you see yourself um, taking real advantage of that over the next twelve months? Well, as I said, we, we we put a new a new machine in the end of last year, so we may we may not do. But I think I think it's a good incentive to do so. We're talking to Craig Street from Jmar Packaging. Uh, Craig, keeping abreast of changes in technology can be expensive if you do and costly if you don't. So uh, tell us how you square the circle and maximise the benefits of, of using automation and new technology both in the office uh, and on the, sh- on the factory floor. Uh, we, we've, uh, as I said previously, the, kit, the kit's very expensive in our game. We, we do tend to, to plough the money back into investing in machinery rather than rather than the building and the, the offices really. We spent a lot of money over the last five years, which probably probably spent a million pounds over the last five years to, to try to keep current and, and competitive. Um, the last machine we bought the end of the year was with a new folder gluer, um, was it, which was our fourth one, um, which is already, we've already seen it's improved our flexibility and capacity. Um, the year before, we knew we bought a new cut and crease machine, die die cutter. If you like every, every job is cut out to the shape of the carton before it goes on the gluer. So uh, the year before, we bought one of those, which was run a lot quicker than uh, the previous one we had. So you've got to keep got to keep moving just to stay competitive. And although some of your cartons and and boxes are are sold plain, you also mm-hmm. print on them too. So that's another process, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah, and and, uh, and the, the printing presses are are the mo- the biggest investment. They're, they're the most expensive machines, really. And we we we've got two. We've got one. Um, it's a, we've got a five color machine and a six color machine. So one that does a, we use to do conventional print. The other one has got um, drying units on, so we can do UV varnish, um, which is a, a real glossy varnish. But you have to have UV dryers to dry it on the, on the card. Uh, it also means we can print onto foil and different substrates. So, yeah, some of the foil cartons are, are quite nice for some sort of nice customers. And your workflow must be quite complex. So, if you've got to bypass the printing, is that is that an easy process? Tell us how how you do that. You know how you make sure that the workflow remains smooth. 
we we just plan it. We we just plan it in. We uh, it's a plain job. We we just um, we bypass the printing process and go go straight to the cut and crease. Um, there's all there's always a bottleneck. Whether whether that's it's normally behind the gluing machines because the gluing machines are other other slowest running machines. The print and the cut and crease can print can 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 run through pretty quick. And then there's normally a bottleneck behind the gluers because on one sheet of cardboard you, you may have six cartons so it runs through the cut and crease uh, you're doing six every sheet rather than a gluer they're going through one at a time really so there's all, normally a bottleneck behind the gluer which is hence why we, we bought we bought a new one last year uh, which which we're already seeing the benefit of really we hope we hope we'll, we'll see the, the growth we so, hope to do nearly five million i would say this year and and that's uh Presumably, that's an increase on last year, and 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 obviously a return on investment for these new machines. Yeah, yeah, yeah that'll be that'll be up a bit from last year. We, we think, um, you never know, but but we we we've already seen the first couple of months this year that uh, we are we're a lot more flexible. We can we can run more jobs to completion rather than if we've got customers shouting that they need need certain jobs we don't have to take anything off a machine we can we can keep running because we we've got we've got the extra capacity and where you're using a, a cutting machine you've obviously got waste and yeah. with your greener hat on what what do you do mm-hmm. with the waste the waste we, we cut it out the, the waste is stripped from the outside of the sheets it's sucked up um and put into a compactor which is bailed and, and, and taken away it's very expensive at the moment there's a global shortage of corrugated material um, due to all the online sales you may you may have seen it on the news over the last 12 months we produce a lot of waste and uh, and the, the price of waste fluctuates quite dramatically at the moment we're getting paid for hours but only a few months ago we were up around to pay to take it away but nevertheless it, it doesn't stop you bailing it up and making sure it's recycled oh yeah yeah you, you you've got to, you've got to do that there's that we there's that much of it we probably produce we probably produce 10 ton a month that's a lot of card it's got to go somewhere <laughs> it, is, it is okay craig coronavirus has uh, has caused disastrous problems for businesses and communities across the world so share with us how you've coped and and also how you've connected with the community over the lockdown well we we put relevant measures in the factory we um, we we split the shifts up, so one shift would leave, and then the next one would come in. With there wasn't any overlap to try try and avoid as much contact as, as possible. They're fairly spread out anyway in the factory, which which does help. Um, we've had a lot of the office staff working from home, um, and we've stayed fairly busy, fairly busy to be to be honest. We it could have been a lot worse. So uh, yeah, fairly lucky in that respect. So you've you've not had to uh, use the furlough system at all, then. We have had we did have a couple um, who we furloughed, but but only for a couple of months, um, and then work didn't drop off as much as we expected. So uh, yeah, we hardly hardly at all. And and I understand that you've been you've been helping ease the burden on the council by giving them boxes to to put their goods in for vulnerable people. Yeah, we. Uh, I was asked by uh, someone I knew on Cheshire, in Cheshire East Council about um, if we could have some boxes to uh, 
to make food parcels up to give to the most vulnerable, which I'm always happy to do anything like that. I think I think it's a nice thing to do. Um, so yeah, we we were happy to do that. We're sponsoring the Nantwich Junior Cricket Team for the next next few seasons, so they'll have Jamar on the shirt. So that would be that'd be quite nice as well. And, and it's a well-known fact that a lot of these community sports clubs, they, they just wouldn't exist without the support of local business. No, no, probably not. Probably not. It's, um, especially over the last year, they've, they've had their, their income just slashed. So uh, any help any help we can give to, to the, the football club or the cricket club is, uh, is a good, good thing to do, I think. Craig, it's been a real pleasure talking to you today and, and uh, thank you for giving us the, an insight into the world of, uh, of packaging. Before we go, um, tell our listeners where they can find more information about JMR Packaging Limited. We're on Crewgate's Industrial Estate, First Avenue, so that's where we're based. You can also find us on the website, which is www.jmr.co.uk and the number is... 01270 Craig, thanks very much for coming on The Cat today. Pleasure. Go to listen.thisisthecat.com for more podcasts and more ways to listen.